Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist. Founder of DrBarryPierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast of patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we are going to be talking about colon cancer. More importantly, what is colorectal cancer? We're going to be talking, we're going to give a broad definition. Let's get some facts. Let's get some figures. Let's get some uh, famous people affected with colon cancer, especially during the month of March, right, which we all know or we should know by this time, it's Colon Cancer Awareness Month. So what I need you to do for me is make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review wherever you plan on listening to the podcast app. Make sure you tell 10 friends. And more importantly, make sure you look at your family members, especially your older family members, depending on how old uh, you are. Um, maybe your older family members who have maybe not gotten their colonoscopy done, their colonoscopy screening up to date. Get them up to date because this is a disease process that is the third most leading cause of cancer-related death here in the country for men and women, right? So it's an important disease that we need to be proactive for. Remember, we're going to empower ourselves for better health. We want to empower ourselves with the knowledge, right, to protect ourselves, to save ourselves in the future, right? So you guys be blessed. Let's get ready for another amazing episode today. Today's episode is sponsored by the inaugural Autism and Black Virtual Conference. It is from April 1st to the 4th. It is a virtual conference going to be hosted by Maria Davis-Pierre, who is the CEO of Autism and Black. Get ready to join over 15 esteemed guest speakers who are going to help empower us. Guys, you know you know, you know, know my motto, Empower Yourself for Better Health, who are going to help empower us to help serve our communities and our families who have the blessed opportunity to work with those in the autism space. General admission tickets are $99 and VIP tickets are $247. Go ahead and check out the link, which will be in the show notes. Or go to drbarrypierre.com forward slash AIB conference for more information. All right, so today we're going to be talking about colorectal cancer and the, let's start out with the definition, right? I think the first and foremost is when we think about cancer just in general, what is cancer just kind of plain and simple is the abnormal growth of cells, right? That again, is just abnormally growing when it should not be growing. And unfortunately, when we develops in this point, especially from a malignant standpoint, this is where we have problems, right? So of course, when we think about colorectal cancer, it is the abnormal growth of cells in the colon as well as the rectum. And I'm going to talk a lot about colorectal cancer because even in the medical field, I think a lot of times we kind of combine the term when it's really two separate processes. And especially when we, when we, you know, when we talk about treatment process, it's actually two different types of treatment, really depending on the location of uh, the disease, right? So colorectal cancer is the cancer of disease, especially affected in the colon as well as the rectum, right? So let's, uh, let's give some facts and figures. Um, and you guys know I'm, I'm very big on, you know, kind of helping you get a broader picture of why we stress, you know, the medical diseases that we stress, right? So, um, uh, well, let's, let's take a quick look here, right? So colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer deaths here in the United States among men and women, right? And not only is the second leading cause of 
cancer-related deaths is the second most common cancer uh, in men and women, right? So it is a disease that is clearly affecting a lot of people here in this country and really even across the world. Um, so you would expect it to get this fanfare and get a whole month really kind of dedicated uh, to itself. Uh, more importantly, 25 to 30 percent of colorectal cancer patients have a family history of disease. Reason why this is important is because we're going to be talking about, especially when we kind of go into the risk factors aspect, we're going to be talking about what are some of the risk factors associated with colorectal cancer. And as you can see here with a number like this, 25 to 30 percent of colorectal cancer patients have some family history, which is why when I'm talking to patients, uh, I'm always asking them, you know, do you have any family members uh, with kind of stomach related disease, colon related disease, uh, because that will clue us in as a physician, you know, who we need to be much more uh, diligent on and aggressive with. One in 23 women and one in 25, uh, I'm sorry, one in 23 men and one in 25 women will be diagnosed with colorectal cancer, right? And that kind of, again, just kind of goes to show you when we talk about just how common uh, this cancer-related process is, why we should be really stressing, um, you know, that the aspect of it. And I, this is what, as a public health professional, right? As a public health professional, this is what really, you know, saddens me when we talk about colorectal cancer. Colorectal cancer is preventable with screening um, and affordable take-home tests exist, right? One in three people are not up to date with colorectal cancer screening, right? That's, that is the problem, right? And I think when we think about, you know, all cancers, and if you had to say, doc, what's one cancer that if I had to choose a cancer, what would I choose? Um, we know colorectal cancer is one of these more slower growing cancers, meaning that if you are proactive in its approach to try to prevent it, um, you have a great uh, opportunity to do so. And 60%, right? The C and this is uh, C the CDC numbers actually are closer to 70%, right? But between, well, I'll just say between 60 to 70% of colorectal cancer deaths could be prevented with screening. Right. So imagine with the number of cancers um, that we diagnose every single year, imagine if you could just prevent 60 percent of them just by uh, adequate screening. Right. And that's really, you know, that's really the problem um, that we, we lie at hand. Right. It's because we have a cancer that we know if we're aggressive in preventing it, we can save a lot of lives and we're still not doing a very good job, you know, at that. And one that really hits close home to me is that black Americans are more likely to be to be diagnosed and die from colorectal cancer uh, than most groups. Right. And uh, less than 50 percent of Asian Americans are up to date with colorectal cancer screening. So when we talk about the black Americans, right, what 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 kills us, right, is when we when we don't get screened enough. Right. When we're not, you know, getting screened, we're not getting the adequate testing to try to prevent it. And then when you think about, well, okay, let's, let's say we don't have that adequate screening. Um, but let's say we do get the screening. Um, we're catching it at a later stage. So not only are we being diagnosed later, because we're being diagnosed later, there's less treatment options for us, right? Which is why we're dying, um, at a much higher uh, clip. Uh, than other groups, right? And I think uh, I think this goes to show, which makes common sense, right? Indigenous communities have higher rates of colorectal cancer than their white counterparts, right? We know white counterparts typically have more access to healthcare, and if they have more access to healthcare, they have more access to screening, they have more access to education, right? That can, you know, that will always help prevent us downwind. I talk about this all the time, especially when I'm thinking about when I'm talking about blood pressure issues, right? We know that when it comes to blood pressure, that if I just 
give you one pill, right? One pill that's like free at some of these uh, pharmacies, right? That I can prevent you from having a heart attack in 10 years. I can prevent you from going to dialysis in 10 years. I can prevent you from having a stroke in 10 years, like with just one little pill. But if you never get that one little pill, if you never get that education that says, you know, decrease yourself, if you never get those types of things, it doesn't matter. So we know that having access to healthcare is such a huge um, factor, especially when we talk about uh, colorectal cancer. And when, when we have here this onus of, you know, some communities get and some communities don't, um, you, you kind of see where we're at here, right? And more importantly, this is this is a, a factor that I thought Ashkenazi Jews have one of the highest colorectal cancer risk of ethnic groups in the world, right? So again, uh, colorectal cancer, uh, again, the, the numbers are unfortunately astonishing as far as, you know, who's affected, how many are affected. Um, and this is just, these are just 2020 numbers, just so you guys can get an idea. In 2020, approximately 104,000 new cases of colorectal cancer was I'm sorry, colon cancer was diagnosed with about 43,000 um, cases of rectal cancer being diagnosed and f- about 53,000 people died last year from colorectal cancer. Remember, we said that if if we could just prevent it, right, 60% of these people would still be here, right? And and that's 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 what's scary, right? But again, this is why we're here, right? This is why, you know, in the month of March, right, we say, like, we scream from the rooftops, like, hey, colorectal cancer, colorectal cancer, something to think about, something to think about, something to talk about, right? Because I don't want us to get to the point where we're, the only time we're talking about, um, you know, these diseases, right, is when someone famous, right, gets it, right? Like, or when someone famous passes away from it. But I understand that sometimes that is what helps turn the corner for a lot of people. So I actually have a list, right? I have a list of uh, famous people or famous figures, right, who were afflicted with colon cancer and some have even died from colorectal cancer. Um, number one, I, again, I would be remiss not to start start out with Chadwick Boseman, right? We talked about him last week on uh, Medicine Mondays. Um, Audrey Hepburn, uh, Charles Schultz, who is the famous uh, creator of Peanuts, Vince Lombardi, um, Elizabeth Montgomery, and I'm, I know for a fact I'm dating myself when I uh, mentioned her, Elizabeth Montgomery, but she was, uh, she was the, uh, head actress on the show called Bewitched, which was one of my favorite shows growing up. Um, and she was, again, unfortunately, uh, afflicted with colon cancer and actually died from colon cancer. Katie Couric, uh, Katie Couric even had her colonoscopy done live, right? On, on, on TV, right? Because she wanted to promote, uh, that, that onus of, uh, colorectal cancer screening. We know Will Smith had his colonoscopy done live as well, too, right? So a lot of people, um, you know, are, are affected by it. But again, famous figures also affected by it as well, too, right? So again, it does, it does not discriminate, right? But that's why it takes, you know, people like us, right? To be very proactive in our approach, of, uh, you know, trying to assess and care, uh, for, for patients moving forward. So you may be asking Dr. Bear, right? So like, like what, what are the symptoms, right? Like how will I know, right? If, you know, I have colon cancer, right? And unfortunately, right. When it comes to colon cancer, 
a lot of it is asymptomatic, right? So while colon cancer is growing, a lot of people don't experience any symptoms whatsoever, right? Which is sometimes, which is probably the most scariest aspect of colon cancer. Because by the time you're symptomatic from colon cancer, right, it's a problem, right? Which means it is at a later stage, right? Again, when we talked about Black Americans, um, a lot of times by the time they get evaluated for colorectal cancer is because they're having some symptoms that they didn't realize, which is why we're so big on prevention, 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 screening, 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 because we know and it, it may take five to 10 years for colorectal cancer to grow to cause a problem, but we don't want you to wait five to 10 years until you have symptoms, right? We want you, while you're asymptomatic, get screened um, and do the things you can do to try to prevent it so you don't have to worry about it. But let's say, again, let's say you are having symptoms or concerns. Uh, some of the biggest ones I know of, right, are a change in bowel habits, right? This is probably one of the more common questions uh, you will get, right? Have you had any change in bowel habits, whether um, you're more constipated, whether you're having more loose stools, those are some of the things that we kind of keep an eye on, right? Especially if you're, and, and, and especially the enemy before people kind of run to the doctors, right? There are some people who are always constipated, right? Like sometimes, and by constipation, um, it varies. Because I have some people, like, if they have to have a bowel movement every other day or they don't feel right. Some people are like, no, every three to four days, then I go, right? But, like, if you notice whatever your normal is, there's a change in that pattern. That's something to be weary of. Um, bleeding, right? Anytime you have any type of change in the color of your stool, especially if it goes black. More importantly, if it goes red, right? If it's red, Definitely go see that doctor as well. Um, abdominal pain, abdominal discomfort is another one. Weight loss is another one. Weakness, fatigue. Like these are just symptoms that, you know, if you don't, you know, if you're not feeling your normal, right? Like you should be going to the doctor, right? Especially when we talk about kind of the age aspects of it, right? Especially when we're, we're going to break down um, some of the kind of the risk factors um, associated with colorectal cancer. Because I think if you understand your risk factors associated with colon cancer, then you understand the need and the urgency to go get screened uh, for uh, colorectal cancer screening, right? So, uh, like, in fact, in fact, we're we're here right now. Right? Let's let's break down some of the the age. Uh, let's break down some of the risk factors associated uh, with colorectal cancer, right? So, I'm like, I'm going to be using uh, Mayo Clinic uh, for our, you know, our, you know, our source uh, today, right? And again, um, we will put definitely the the links in the uh, description and show notes as needed. So older factors that increase colon cancer, older age. Um, colorectal cancer can be diagnosed at any age, but the majority of people um, are diagnosed uh, older than the age of 50, right? But more importantly, and I want I want to stress this, right? The rates of colon cancer in people younger than 50 have been increasing, right? And I, I got some... You know, I got some theories behind that, right? So age is definitely a factor. We know that the older you get, the more likely you are to become at an increased risk for colorectal cancer. Uh, but that, again, that does not mean that if you're young, you're invincible from colon cancer. Again, Chadwick Bozeman is a perfect example for it, right? And that's where we talk about, especially that African-American race, right? Like African-Americans have a greater risk of colorectal cancer than other people, um, other races, right? So just being African-American increases your risk for colorectal cancer cancer, right? And again, a lot of different factors there um, that are kind of intertwined, especially when we think about family history, when we think about diet, when we think about inactivity, like 
all of these factors there are kind of intertwined with it. But just being African-American increases your risk. And reason why we, we know that, right, is because when we talk about when we we're going to talk about the screening aspect of colorectal cancer, we know that if you're African-American, uh, we actually expect you to kind of get screening uh, at least five years earlier than kind of the general, quote unquote, population. So uh, personal history of colorectal cancer or polyps, which kind of makes sense, right? If you have a history of colorectal cancer polyps or uh, just colorectal cancer in general, you have an increased risk of having colorectal cancer, right? So these are the people who get the colonoscopy, end up having a benign polyp, right? But because they've had that benign polyp that one time, they're really the risk of getting uh, colon cancer does increase, right? So they have to be a little bit more diligent and get colorectal cancer screenings much more frequently. Um, uh, patients with inflammatory intestinal conditions, uh, such as ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, you have an increased risk for colorectal cancer. Um, inherited uh, related uh, uh, syndromes, this is where the genetics really play a factor. Lynch syndrome, familial anopenis, uh, polyposis syndrome. Again, uh, these are different uh uh, genetic diseases that increase your chance for getting colorectal cancer. Uh, the family history, again, I'll, I'll screen this from the rooftops. If you have a family history of colon cancer, you are more going to be more likely to de- develop colorectal cancer. But this is a scary thing, right? If your family does not get tested, does not get screened appropriately for colorectal cancer, how will you know if you have a higher risk, right? That's why we have to, especially especially in the Mac community, that's why we have to stress, like, get screened, get screened, get screened. I mean, everybody to get screened, right? Because you need to know if the kids need to get screened earlier, right? Like, again, it's not just about you, right? If you're if you're under the uh, a certain age, right, and you get diagnosed with colon cancer, guess what? Now your kids are on the clock much sooner than they would typically be. Patients with a low fiber, high fat diet. Um, and this is where some people are attributing the reason why younger population is starting to develop and have an increased rate of colorectal cancer uh, because of their type of diet, which is usually typically includes low fiber, high diet, sedentary lifestyle, right? So people who are physically inactive. Diabetic patients, again, have an increased risk of colorectal cancer screening, obesity, smokers, again, Let's let's say if this is your first time, you know, listening to me, you know, I talk ad nauseum of the 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 increased risk that smoking places upon your health in general, right? You pick a disease and smoking probably increased that risk of that disease, right? Um, you know, alcohol use, uh, radiation therapy for types of cancers, right? So uh, these are all different types of risk factors that we know are associated uh, with colorectal cancer. And again, uh, gender as well, too. If you're a man, uh, you're going to be more likely uh, to have colorectal cancer than you're a woman, right? So again, just all these different factors, right, that, you know, again, we, I'm going to be screwing from the rooftops all this month, right? But really all this year, right? Like if, if you start fitting some of these patterns, right, you really have to be diligent about yourself, right? Remember our motto, empower yourself for better health. We want you guys to take your health in your own control. But to do so, right, you have to understand, like, there are some times where you're going to be at increased risk, right, for something like this, right? And you have to take the onus to say, hey, doc, like, I got a family history. Uh, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'm not as physically active as possible. You know, maybe, again, my diet isn't the greatest, right? What's my risk 
for colorectal cancer, right? And that's what I want you to do anytime you watch kind of the, my uh, series of videos or you listen to me on the podcast, right? I want you to be able to like take this information and then run with it, right, to your health professional, right? To say like, hey, I just heard, you know, this, this amazing, you know, physician uh, talk about, you know, colorectal cancer, right? And I know this is colorectal cancer month, right? Sh- should I be a person who gets screens for colorectal cancer, right? Like that's, that's my goal, right? At the end of the day, I want to make sure that you guys are empowered to do so. So when we're talking about the risk factors, we talk about the signs and symptoms, doc, where now you may be asking, well, hey, doc, like if I got those issues, man, like how do, like how do, what do I need to do next, right? Because that's the question people always have. What do I need to do next? So um, I actually like to refer to the American College of Gastroenterology, right? Again, those, you know, again, they are a governing body, especially when we talk about all kind of GI things related, right? And they kind of break down the diagnostic testing into two portions, right? So they have one aspect is the one strep screening test, right? Which is the gold standard colonoscopy, right? So again, that is, again, for a lot of people, it's this dreaded procedure, um, but it is extremely safe, right? And, and it ex- not only is it safe, right? What I love about it is a, it's a one step process in that not only can it diagnose, but it can treat. Right. Because not only can you diagnose, hey, I see some early polyps. Right. But you can actually do treatment courses as well, too. Right. Versus some of the other testing where like, yeah, you may get the initial response. Right. But you may have to do something else. Right. Which sometimes usually ends up you having to get a colonoscopy anyway. But I have a lot of people who are very weary of getting colonoscopy. I have very, a lot of people who, you know, again, maybe they can't tolerate a colonoscopy. Right. So they, they try to avoid it as much as they can. Right. So we recommend the stool based testing. Right. So in my office, um, when I was in outpatient medicine, we would give uh, patients stool uh, cards to go home with, right? And these, these were called the FIT test, right? The fecal immunochemical test, uh, which helps detect hidden blood in the stool, right? Because it's obvious, right? If you look in your stool, which I, I want to stress this enough, there's a lot of people who really don't look into their stool, right? Which is kind of funny. Um, but there's a lot of people who like, they go to the bathroom, they take a number two, right? And they never actually turn around to look at it, right? So you know, like, first of all, don't do that, right? Like you should, you know, again, I'm not saying every single time you have to look at it, but every, you should be, you, know, you should know what your stool looks like. You should know the color of your stool. You should know the consistency of your stool. So if you look and you see it's the quote unquote normal color, right, you may not be alarmed. But these fit tests are great is that the fit test can detect blood even if your stool appears normal because it's very easy to be able to say like, hey, my stool is red or hey, my stool is black and I need to go do something. Right. But when your stool is normal, right, where it's has again, we talk about colon cancer being a very slow growing process. Um, when your stool is in a normal stage, right, you can still be having some kind of early bleeding from cancer related uh, cells and polyps, but not know it yet because it hasn't really changed the total consistency of your stool. So this these fit type testing, right, or these stool DNA testing, again, these are non-invasive testing. Again, you, you test the the more test the stool for blood. These are great alternatives as well. Um, and when I was in training, um, they actually started coming to um, doing image studies, right? Image studies for the colonoscopy, right? So essentially they would get a CAT scan uh, of the colon, right? And they can do kind of 3D imaging to see if there's any areas of concern. Now, what are, what are my, again, you know, the, you know, the, I guess the caveats with those, right? And I, I talked about this a, a, earlier is that like, let's say you get a stool test that's positive. Right. Let's say you get these these imaging tests uh, that are positive as well. Guess what? 
You're going to have to do the colonoscopy, right? So uh, I always say, like, let's just skip the middleman and let's just go right to, like, that aspect, right? Like, why do we even have to go ahead and, like, you know, waste my, I don't want to say waste my time. Why do I have to do this test if I know if something's positive, I'm going to get the colonoscopy, right? But again, a lot of people are like, yeah, you know what, maybe I'm not uh, of age yet, right? And we're going to talk about of age as far as when people should get screening. Maybe I'm not, maybe it's not the time for me to get, uh, you know, officially the colonoscopy, but I just want to make sure everything looks good. Right. Then you will kind of go ahead and do kind of these testing here um, in, in that regard. So when should we get screened? Right. And I think this is a very important question um, because, again, the, I think the age is so huge. Right. So the um, you know, the, the guidelines as we speak right now are recommending that um, those who are 50. Right. With no other significant risk factors, indicators, signs and symptoms, again, bleeding or any of those types of things there, you should wait to the age of 50. But we do have some consensus now, which I'm loving, that's kind of recommending, you know, what? we probably should push those to 45. Right. So I think eventually, especially in a you know, few years, it'll be a, almost official that by the time you're 45, you should be getting a colonoscopy. Right. But remember, especially for my African-American um, uh, community who are watching me, um, when I talk about uh, risk factors. Remember, being African-American is a risk factor, right? So if the general population is 45, 40 years old is when you really should be thinking about getting a colonoscopy and getting screened. Again, because the risk factors uh, are unfortunately against you, right? And we already know that being black means that we typically are diagnosed at a later stage. And if we're diagnosed at a later stage, that means we have less treatment options um, available to us, right? And I don't want, I don't want us um, especially when it comes to colon cancer, right? Especially when we know 60% can be prevented or 70%, depending on who you're talking to, right? Can be prevented, uh, with just proper screening, right? I don't want us to have like that end of the bag, right? Where we're just being diagnosed when the, the cancer is a late stage or there's different, there's different, there's about four different stages, uh, colon cancer screening. Not really important for us to know right now, but just understand that stage four is a bad stage, right? That's the stage we don't, um, you know, want to typically be diagnosing people. We want to diagnose people in the earlier stages. Because we know the earlier stages have better treatment options um, for us, right? And again, treatment options could be either, especially if you're doing a colonoscopy and you see these kind of precancerous lesions, aka these polyps, removing said polyps. Um, but again, if, if it gets to the point where maybe it's, you're at a later stage, um, sometimes you need surgery, sometimes you need chemotherapy, sometimes you need radiation. Like I said, not really important um, for this topic here. It's just understanding that when we talk about colorectal cancer, right, it is something that we have to be very diligent in combating, right? Because we know if we're aggressive, right? If we, if we increase our physical activity, right? If we uh, increase our vegetables and de- increase our fiber intake, decrease our fat intake, right? If we get these screenings like we need to get, right? If we're more proactive, right? And educating and, and recognizing signs and symptoms, right? And we know if we do these things, right? We can prevent the, the, the end result, right? Which is people not um, being able to, um, you know, live, right, with their colorectal cancer, right, because they pass away from it, right, because they caught it too late, right? We know we have to be proactive, like I said, empower yourself for better health, right? We have to uh, make sure that we are doing what we need to do, right, to make sure that at the end, right, like we, we catch this early, right? And so again, like that's, you know, that's my take, right? That's colorectal cancer from yours truly, Dr. Bayer Pierre. Um, again, you know, catch us next week, um, where again, we're going to be talking about all kind of things kind of, again, so associated with uh, the month of March. Uh, you guys be blessed. Have a great day.
Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode. And if you have not already done so, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. Leave a review there because your support is so, 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 so valuable for what we're doing here on the Lynch Learn and everything with Pierre Medical Consulting. And if you have not done so, go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv, it's very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod to 44222. And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thanks, guys. You have a blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week.